Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Yo. Technology. What is it all about? What I realized is that as a company, Do Not Pay obviously stands for freedom from government bureaucracy and ridiculous fees. And that's our whole mission to help people fight these fees. And so it's very ironic that we're in the city that's the most bureaucratic and has the most bureaucracy and fees. Hello and welcome to Danny in the Valley. I'm your host, Danny Fortson. This week on the pod, it's a short one. Uh, You know why? Because 16 months after the pandemic began, COVID has befallen our house. Now, the good news is that everybody is getting better. We had it relatively, well, very easy in the grand scheme of things, but it was a pretty difficult, unsettling week uh, and a very unsettling reminder that, you know, it was, you know, we're far from out of this thing. Uh, you only need to look at India to see that this virus is aggressive and has staying power. And though lots of folks are getting vaccinated, lots aren't as well. And that means, especially for those who have kids, who obviously can't get vaccinated, that this will continue to be a thing that really kind of controls our life, our lives in ways that pre-pandemic were just unimaginable. But anyhow, like I said, the Fortson house is on the mend, but it also means that I had to take the week off to look after my kids because, you know, we couldn't have them back in care this week. So I am on full on daddy duty. However, that does not mean the pod stops. And this week's one is going to be a little bit different. On the pod, we have Josh Browder, who you may recognize. He's the founder of Do Not Pay. He's been on the pod twice before, so he's a three-time offender. And I wanted to have him on to talk about Miami, which, you know, is making a run as the next, next Silicon Valley. Um, And of course, we had uh, Miami's mayor on a few months ago. But Browder is interesting because as long as I have known him, which is a few years now, he has always spoken in such glowing terms about Silicon Valley, in particular about San Francisco, as this totally unique hub for startups, for tech startups. There's no place like it in the world. And his company, Do Not Pay, which is, you know, this robot lawyer that fights parking tickets and all sorts of other injustices, big and small, has raised nearly $20 million out of here. He's got a dozen employees here. But anyway, he announced recently he's leaving. And when we spoke, uh, this was last week, he was just getting ready to go for an exploratory trip to 
Miami. Like it seems a lot of other techies, um, or at least a lot of techies with large Twitter followings. So I wanted to just drill into why, like what happened? Like why is he leaving this place that as little as eight months ago he thought was great? He had just signed a new four-year lease on an office and all of a sudden he's out and why he is so intrigued by Miami, which is apparently attracting a ton of tech types away from here. Anyhow, so it's just an interesting topic, not least because as we've covered recently uh, in the pod with this whole return to work, a lot of people are thinking about and approaching work differently than they did pre-pandemic. And so it just gives rise to this question of whether places like San Francisco, which have this kind of unique pulling power, are losing that power. And which seems pretty clear that they are, it's a question of to what degree. And with in this case, to what degree with respect to tech. So that is what uh, we talk about. I think you'll enjoy it. So I will hand you over now to my chat with Josh Browder, the founder of Do Not Pay. Enjoy. So look, I have lots of questions for you. First of all, you're an OG for the on the Danny in the Valley podcast, which is fantastic. This is appearance number three, which is I think might be a record. Wow, I've made it. Oh, well, for anybody. <laughs> I know, you, you. now you can die a happy man. So let's start here. So I follow you on Twitter. Um, and I saw you posted your ticket, your reservation from San Francisco to Fort Lauderdale slash Miami. And it sounds like you're over it. And uh, what, I'm, what I found so fascinating is, and I think when we spoke last time during the pan- after the pandemic and you said, you know, I'm here for the long term, I just signed a four-year lease in San Francisco. This is the greatest place ever for startups, et cetera. What's happening? I think that a lot has changed since then. It turns out that San Francisco was already a business unfriendly place, but even in the past year, they've introduced additional measures that really hurt a business like do not pay and actually cost us a lot of money. For example, there's this new tax, it's called the gross receipts tax. And what it says is the city, not even the state or the federal government, but the city take 0.5% of all revenue. And it doesn't matter if you're making money on that revenue um, or if you're just charging filing fees to consumers and not even making any money, which Do Not Pay does a lot of. Uh, You have to pay 0.5%. And so we began to think we're paying tens of thousands of dollars, soon to be hundreds of thousands of dollars a year to San Francisco. And what do we get in return? The only thing it seems like we get in return is restrictions. You can't open your business even now um, to full capacity. So just let me make sure I understand because I didn't I didn't fully twig this. So there is a new law here in which the city takes 0.5% of revenue, which is an important distinction from profit because, of course, there's a ton of startups here who are years and years away from making profit. And that revenue is kind of, you know, obviously the first step, but it's, you know, many companies will take a decade or more to, to turn a profit. So that seems... That seems significant. When when did that come into play? Or because or, or, I think we spoke not too long ago, and um, that didn't seem to be the case then. Certainly, yeah, we spoke in September. Um, so what's that? Six, seven, eight months ago. It came into place in 2020, and we didn't notice it then. But now we're noticing it in a big way. And when I say revenue, it's not even revenue. It's actually called gross receipts. 
which is even worse than revenue. Because, for example, um, we offer our consumers the ability to pay a parking ticket with do not pay. Sometimes people know they're guilty and just want the convenience of snapping a photo and being done with it. When we take the money to pay the parking ticket, we don't make any money. But San Francisco charges do not pay 0.5% just to do that. Right. Okay. So that's one thing. And that sounds very annoying or maybe much more than annoying. But again, and um, perhaps we'll play a clip from um, when we actually run this pod of what you, yeah, which, what, what had you had said at the time, which was, you know, like, I'm here for the long term. We just signed a four-year lease. You know, the people that are leaving are the people that have already have like the network and the things they need to kind of do what they want to do in this, you know, in the tech world. And maybe that's where you have got to. So what else has changed? Because you talk about this being kind of a generally business unfriendly place. A lot of uh, people have secretly moved out to cities like Miami and Austin. I have friends who have announced on Twitter that they've moved to Miami, but I have dozens more that are uh, not public about it. And so what's changed is that these new cities have become um, places where there are lots of startup founders and engineers and VCs and executives, just like the Bay Area. I think when we spoke uh, nine months ago, that definitely wasn't the case. Everyone was on Zoom, but now people are moving in person to Miami. And when, when I'm um, going to Miami on May 1st, I have a, a week of back-to-back meetings with everyone. And so many people are living there and meeting in person. Um, you just don't experience that in San Francisco. People are still afraid to meet in person in San Francisco. Right. But you have said, I think you said also on Twitter, you're leaving, regardless of what happens, whether it's Miami or someplace else, that you are leaving San Francisco. Is that right? Yes. And I think that you can replicate uh, the benefits of San Francisco, what little there are left elsewhere. How? People are moving. Those who do want to stay in the Bay Area are moving to the South Bay. So Palo Alto is great. And those who want to leave are typically moving to Miami. And so in the past, everyone was in San Francisco and the Bay Area more broadly. But now I I would consider Miami a startup hub now. I I know at least, I would say, 30 founders who have moved to Miami in the past quarter. From the Bay Area? From the Bay Area or or from Zoom land. (laughs) (laughs) And was there a straw that broke the camel's back for you? Because again, you know, whether it was eight months ago when we had you on the pod, I think it was back in 2018, you were kind of dazzled by this place. And you were really just like, oh man, I, you know, I couldn't be doing what I'm doing anywhere else. And you, then you raised a bunch of money from Andreessen Horowitz and a bunch of the big names out here. It's just the, the, the sudden, I'm out of here. I'll probably go to Miami or somewhere else. This place sucks. It's, it's a quite a stark change. What I realized is that as a company, Do Not Pay obviously stands for freedom from government bureaucracy and ridiculous fees. And that's our whole mission to help people fight these fees. And so it's very ironic that we're in the city that's the most bureaucratic and has the most bureaucracy and fees. So I realized that there were several factors. Not being allowed to open was one. Having all these Fees like the gross receipts tax is another. And that's just one example. There are others like SF. SF charge you a tax on the computers in your office. Wait, 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 wait. What? What do you mean? It's called business uh, personal property tax. So you have to pay tax on the value of the monitors sitting in your office. Really? 
Yes. And, and that's just another example. Um, or, or even the furniture in your office, you have to pay a ridiculous kind of, I mean, there's a whole list of city taxes. It's not just gross receipts. But ultimately, this is not about taxes. It's just about being in a place that allows you to innovate. And Miami allows you to do that much more than San Francisco. And I, I think it's just the tip of the iceberg. If you look at the proposals that politicians in San Francisco have, they're introducing even more regulations because they need to make up the money for everyone that's leaving. Is there any one of those coming down the pike where you're like, oh, God, I got to get out of here before that happens? I think they're just going to make the numbers higher. And it makes sense because the majority of the voter base aren't creating companies. So they're not very sympathetic towards these startups that they see as kind of um, exploiting the system and not adding value. And so it doesn't impact the voters, 99% of the voters. So it makes no difference for them to increase the tax rate. How many people uh, work at Do Not Pay Now? Only 12 people. And are you, I mean, because part of the, obviously part of this whole kind of movement uh, that a lot of people are talking about, you know, especially coming out of um, the pandemic, is just the kind of work from anywhere capabilities. You know, the whole world was forced to, un- to, to work remote for a year, more or less. And now that, you know, kind of, at least in America, the pandemic seems to the end or, you know, some return to some kind of normalcy re- appears likely, people are like, oh, well, we're not going to go back to doing what we once did. Um, is that part of this as well as just like the kind of the mind shift that has happened in terms of being in the office or not? No, I'm still a b- big believer of in-person work. And where we move, everyone is uh, happy to work in person. The employee base loves it because living in San Francisco is not a pleasant experience. Unfortunately, we've had stories of being people being spat on on the way to work. Um, it's Nothing is open still. There's like one food restaurant nearby our office. So I think it will just improve everyone's quality of life as well. But we definitely want to be in person to have that creativity because we're releasing about 30 products a year and we want to be able to continue doing that as efficiently as in person. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
So the dozen people, is everybody moving to wherever you guys, where you are, wherever you end up moving? Yes, we're deciding that today or tomorrow. It's honestly between Palo Alto and Miami. Quite a big difference. Which one are you leaning toward? I'm keeping an open mind. I'm visiting Miami on the 1st of May and I have so many meetings lined up and I worry that I'll get sucked in. But that could be a good thing. Because, of course, the cynics will be like, well, everybody, you know, loves Miami and Florida because they don't have whatever the 8 or 9% California state tax. And that's that simple. Yeah. And the company uh, also pays a lot of taxes as well. It's not just the employees. They double charge both the company and the employees, these, these high taxes. And do you have a sense of why Miami? It just seemed because we actually had the mayor, Mayor Francis Suarez. We had him on this pod, I don't know, two, three months ago. Um, and I know he's playing quite an active role in trying to get people to come out, come out there. But, you know, everybody's always trying to do this. Every city in the world is like, oh, we want to create the new Silicon Valley, whatever it may, you know, Silicon Roundabout, London, the list goes on. Why do you think this seems to be, well, two questions. Does this feel real to you? And if so, why do you think this has gained traction where it usually doesn't? I um, disagree with you slightly. I think every city in the world wants to try and encourage (laughs) that, except for San Francisco. Uh, Tech people are seen with such contempt and I'm actually meeting with the, the mayor of Miami, but London Breed would never meet with me. Well, I, I'm not sure, but I've heard that she doesn't really meet with up-and-coming entrepreneurs because that's not their focus. Their focus in San Francisco is to kind of play politics and not create a, a place that where tech thrives. So beyond the taxes, which are not minimizing... What makes it this place feel hostile? Because you're saying it's like it's kind of anti-tech or techies are treated with contempt. But is that really true? Because you have like, you know, a ton of the tech industry is here. You know, is, are there any things that stick out to you? With, I don't know, personal experiences or otherwise where you're like, oh, this place doesn't want me here? Well, um, I, live in, I live in the Tenderloin. And I think not for long, but for now, I live in the Tenderloin. And I think it's just a very badly run city. I think that everyone is focused so much on demonizing certain groups of people and just these programs that don't actually have any impact. And the city is declining. So I worry about the future of San Francisco and I don't want to be stuck in a sinking ship. So it's not even about the taxes for me. It's just about being in a place that seems like it's declining. And was there one person in terms of like the migration to Miami where you saw them going like, oh, Maybe this is something that I should check out. Because you say, you know, there's dozens of people you know who have have moved there either noisily or quietly um, in the last quarter alone. Yeah, I would say lots of the companies that I invested in are moving there. Um, Lots of my friends from Stanford are moving there. And I have more friends in Miami now than I do in San Francisco. Really? Yes. Everyone has left San Francisco, either to Zoomland or to Miami. Like, can you put some numbers on that just so I understand? You know, like, because, you know, you, you obviously, you run Do Not Pay. You also have an investment fund where you're investing in startups all the time. So, like, ballpark, how many people in that world do you know who have left? I would say at least 50% of everyone I know in the Bay Area has left. Since the pandemic? Even in the past six months. And what do investors, I mean, you talk to other investors and, you know, Silicon Valley, Sand Hill Road, it's kind of the legendary place where, you know, if you have a world beating idea, that's where you go. And that's, you know, they really play that up. 
Do you have a sense of what the venture capital industry is thinking about all this or how they're reacting? A lot of the big firms like Founders Fund have obviously established bases in Miami and other firms are paying attention to it. So a lot of the seed funds are like sending out representatives to Miami to be based there. So I think the Miami venture capital ecosystem is improving a lot. I don't think that Sand Hill Road is going anywhere. And I love Palo Alto and Menlo Park and um, the South Bay. But certainly any VC firm is probably not going to be based in San Francisco. I'm not sure how many VCs are in San Francisco at the moment. Probably less than a few dozen. Right, right, right. And what is happening with the business? Because obviously, you know, again, going back to 2018 when you were first on the pod, Obviously, the origin was fighting parking tickets. What What's up now in terms of what the company is and the products you you have and how things are going? As of right now, uh, Do Not Pay has 250 products in our suite, and we're adding new ones every day. Um, literally, we added one a few hours ago that allows you to take any photo, and it runs it through our AI and it makes it so that the photo can't be reverse image searched or recognized in facial recognition algorithms. And this is really important in a practical way because a lot of people, they post their photos online, for example, on dating websites, and they don't want stalkers to uh, look them up. But it's also relevant in a more serious way where brokers like Clearview are selling your data. And especially with the new Apple privacy uh, changes, I think a lot of the data brokers will shift to facial recognition um, as one of the ways they identify you if the operating system is not allowing it. So our product today fights back against that. In terms of the business, it's growing rapidly. Unsurprisingly, the more products we have, the more useful it is for people. But we've kept the pricing the same. So it's great value for money. The The facial recognition thing is super interesting because obviously Clearview is just... I mean, it's a kind of a wild company, you know, just scraping Instagram and every single picture online to find and then selling it to law enforcement to great effect, better and worse, it seems. But I'm just wondering, you you kind of mentioned it, uh, how you think this plays in, because obviously this is the week that the Facebook versus Apple battle over privacy has really kind of broken out into the open with this new iOS update. Um, You think facial recognition might be the next battleground? I think so, because um, if the operating system is not allowing the data brokers to to identify you, they're going to find other ways. So they're going to start scraping your photos and scraping public photos to try and recapture this profile of you that Apple is stopping from being created. Have you seen any of that, any indication that that might already be happening? I, I think Clearview is, is thriving, unfortunately. All the regulators are going after them. There are lawsuits against them, but their customer base is only growing. And, and we're seeing uh, Clearview actually grow and become a more successful company. And so that's really worrying from my standpoint. Mm. So ju- just stepping back, you know, kind of going into the, the world of the internet rather than San Francisco politics, do you think it's, especially with Apple kind of really going privacy first, do you think you know, our existence online, is it getting, are we becoming more vulnerable or less? Because it does feel like there's a little bit of a battle for the soul of the web now that we're 25 years into this thing and you have these two forces kind of colliding. I think no one wins from the battle between Facebook and Apple. Apple definitely doesn't have the consumer's best interest at heart um, and neither does Facebook. At least in this specific change, it's positive for the consumer in the long term, in the short term. But in the long term, 
We don't know what Apple will do if they control our lives and it's locked into the iPhone ecosystem. And there's this great um, slide, um, I think, from 2015 when Apple had its own advertising network. It was called iAd. And they were advertising all of the same tracking uh, capabilities <laughs> that they're complaining about now. And so I wouldn't trust any corporation. I think it's the role of the government and the role of maybe nonprofits to fight back against this or maybe smaller companies I do not pay. But I wouldn't trust the future of privacy in a $1 trillion or $2 trillion corporation. No. Well, it's really interesting you say it's the role of the government because it does, I mean, it feels like you're really, for lack of a better word, pissed <laughs> at the government here. But also, I mean, it sounds like, I don't know if you would, define yourself in any way, but I don't know, libertarian or something. I don't know. But on one hand, it's saying it's we need regulation, but you're also seem to be really pushing back hard against other regulations. I try and stay apolitical, but I'm sure everyone can agree that the government does a terrible job. And the job that they do do pushes the burden on the most vulnerable and taxes kind of small businesses and and people that shouldn't really be paying it. And so I'm, I'm more anti the government than uh, any political right, view. Right, right, right. So let's cast forward, let's bust out our crystal ball. Five years looking ahead. What do you think San Francisco looks like? Because the other thing I think is really worth reminding listeners is that, you know, San Francisco as a tech hub is a pretty recent phenomenon. It was, you know, in the last 10 to 12 years, when you had Uber and Airbnb and like these kind of younger generations come up and, and start their companies in San Francisco. It was traditionally, it was the rest of Silicon Valley, the South Bay, you know, San Jose, Santa Clara, Palo Alto, Menlo Park, all of these places, Mountain View, where the industry was really concentrated. So do you think this was just like a kind of a moment, this kind of 10 to 12 year kind of moment for San Francisco and that that will just fade back to how things were before? I think so. I think it's over for San Francisco. And, and you're right. Everyone was moving up to the city from Palo Alto and Menlo Park. I think that's over. And I think Palo Alto and San Jose and Los Altos and all these places will still be popular in, as a tech hub, as the Bay Area. But San Francisco, it's over. It's not going to be the next Detroit because it is still a big legacy coastal city, but I don't think it's going to be the place where all the innovation is driven from. Right, right. How long are you in Miami for, for this exploratory trip? Just a week. Right. And what are you going to be doing there? Just meeting with a lot of people to see if it's a good place to move to and also catching up. It's refreshing to be meeting people in person again. I, I would say all of the meetings are in person, which is nice. And then lastly, if there's one kind of... I can't believe this thing that San Francisco or whether it's taxes or otherwise that made you think, you know what? I can't do this anymore. Is there, is there something that sticks out? Do not pay and me are happy to pay taxes when it's fair, but they have this specific rule that says that if your employees are based in San Francisco, a hundred percent of your revenue is based in San Francisco. So usually if you sell something in New York, you pay sales taxes in New York state, and that's fine. But San Francisco, if your employees are based there, you can be selling something in Miami or London or anywhere in the world, and they have worldwide taxation on your gross receipts um, and also other forms of income as well. So what does that mean for a company like your size, just in terms of dollars and cents? 
for a, a company about, well, it depends because do not pay is very unique because we do a lot of filings for consumers and we have our subscription, but in the mid five figures of kind of uh, tax liability and growing. That's annual. A- on an annual basis, just for the privilege of being in San Francisco. Wow. Well, uh, I'll be interested to hear um, how Miami treats you. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited too. Um, cool. Well, um, thanks as ever for coming on the pod. And um, yeah, perhaps we'll catch up when you're back from um, the other side of the country and, uh, and see if that's where, you, where you'll be ending up. Sounds good. And that is all the time we have. I want to thank Josh for taking the time. I actually texted him this week to see if he was actually moving to Miami. I haven't heard back yet, but we shall see. But I want to thank you all for listening. Um, thank you for bearing with. Like I said, this is um, a bit shorter of an episode than normal. Um, I would have done a probably a double episode normally, but you know, these are crazy times. Anyhow, so I'm not writing this week, but I will, will be back in the saddle, God willing, next week. So until then, stay safe, please stay sane. And um, yeah, we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners or odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.